everybody, we're back. So Many Sequels is here again. We're here for Empire Strikes Back. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. I'm Daniel. Yeah, we have a special guest in the, I'm going to call it a studio today. Yeah, it's fair. Well, it's basically a studio. Yeah. Uh, uh, all the way from California. All the way. All well, the way. I flew in just thanks for flying me in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no problem. Our budget knows no bounds. How'd you like yeah. the limo? Was it good? The limo was great. All right. Yeah. This couch is great. <laughs> so <laughs> you broke the budget yeah. on it. So I've known you forever, and you're a big Star yeah. Wars fan. I love Star Wars. And uh, this is Empire was your favorite one. Empire Strikes Back is not only my favorite Star Wars, it is my favorite movie of all time. What makes it your favorite movie? Uh, there's so many things about it. I think fundamentally as a child, it. when I was a kid, I loved Star Wars, obviously, and I loved A New Hope, but I would always come back to Empire, I think, because Empire makes you sad. Nothing good happens to anyone in the movie. <laughs> and I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that as a kid, but the older I got, the more I was like, oh, this is actually crazy. Like, the main characters in this movie, is, this is just bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, and it's so engaging. And also, it was just such an expansion of the universe that just multiplied my obsession, I think. Yeah. So I know before we started, we said we weren't going to do this, but I'm going to ask just for the sake of I'm curious. Was there ever a moment where you thought maybe The Last Jedi would be your favorite? Um, I, I can't. I, I always I like to do a like a five year waiting period um, for movies. That's very I, cautious. It's tough to ever put, cause I think you leave something, there's an immediate visceral reaction and you want to exclaim it is a new favorite. Um, I think the last Jedi is up in the rankings of greatness in both star Wars films and general films, but I don't think it can deep throw an empire. It's, it's too far seated in my heart. That's fair. I know I immediately said it was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. new favorite. But after thinking about it, I don't know, well, but I just had to, I had to ask yeah. and to call it like a new classic. I think would be, you know, to just call it a new classic right now and, and you know, you don't know what it is until five years from now. It still has the staying power. Yeah. Because Empire has the staying power. Yeah, you know, with all the stuff happening with kind of the reaction to Last Jedi, it's interesting to look back yeah. and stuff about Empire. Because when Empire came out, people were, some people were mad. Like, yeah. This isn't like the same movie. This movie is makes me sad and it's dark and I don't like what they're doing and why do people act this way? And I think it's sort of this replicating what we're seeing now. I think that's why it stands the test of time because it's a chat. Empire is challenging because mm-hmm. everyone you love and everyone you've returned to to watch is like coming through some serious crap. And I think that kind of adds to the what makes it have such staying power. Well, yeah. It's, well, it's also like Empire is more. I think if you think about it, of all the Star Wars movies, it's probably the most referenced. Yeah, it's I mean, sort of. I mean, like so ingrained in pop it, culture. Yeah, I mean you can. We're going to talk about later the quote that's obviously immortalized in cinema history. Say it now. Right. I'll go ahead. Well, I'm just going to go ahead because we haven't done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't oh, seen yeah. this movie, one, shame on you. <laughs> well, and shame on you for listening to Why would you start a podcast that's clearly yeah, about this? Podcast. Yes. But if you did, there's going to be spoilers for, for an old movie. So. Yeah. Go watch uh, it. Yeah. Come back to it. The scene you're about to talk about, arguably one of the greatest movie twists ever. Well, say the quote just because I wrote it down and I want to You want to see say if he says it, it right? <laughs> He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. No. The misconception is that everybody always says, Luke, I am your father. It is. is not the quote. That is not true. So it's always interesting to see what people say. It's weird how that came about. That's how he becomes a classic. You get a a famous quote that is misquoted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's just like Casablanca. You know, it's like everybody says, play it again, Sam. And even... That never happens. Yeah, that, that's never been, that's never said in the entire movie. Is that so? That's I didn't true. know that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the, the quote is, "Play it, Sam. Play it. Play as time goes by." Well, that's the quote. That? Not play it again, Sam. That is a total myth. Castle maybe I can understand because you there was no such thing as home video, so maybe people just thought they heard it. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back. They were putting the VHS yeah. onslaught. These people should have known better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Disappointed in them. So let's go around and kind of talk about. Our first memories of seeing this movie, those of us who have some, because these are movies, we're all of the age where we would have watched this for the first time as kids. Yeah. None of us saw it in theaters originally. Andrew. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, sure. Did you? Did you? I saw the special edition. In right, yeah, because that came out in the in the mid-90s, right? It came I'm out seven. in 97. And... No, uh, the and first... he was 32 at the time. <laughs> 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 
This is R-rated, by the way. But no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the first time I saw it, the first time I saw I actually saw the first Star Wars movie I saw was Return of the Jedi. I did not see A New Hope. or I, saw, I actually saw The Empire Strikes Back last. I saw it in a reverse order. And um, the first time I saw it was in the summer of 96. Saw it the first time. That was the first time I've ever seen it. And it did, you know, as a kid, I'm just like, oh, man, this is so fun. And then that happens, and I'm like, whoa, that's weird. So was your first time seeing it on tape, or what, Or was tape. it the cocaine? Okay. Then, I, you know, the next year I saw it in theaters at, as the... Uh, when the special editions, the special editions out, come yeah. out. And, I mean, obviously the changes have been made. It didn't affect me any. I'm just like, ah, oh, it's just, an, you know, just different. An empire is... Is borderline perfect, and so even in special edition, its changes are are minimal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is nice. Like a new hope, Han shot first. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of nightmares in the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remains pretty untouched. Which yeah, is nice. and same same goes for Return of the Jedi. But yeah, that was my first experience. With it. You, Gary, you were a little later to the Star Wars craze, right? Yeah. So I don't remember my first time. I had a feeling you because yeah. uh, my first remembrance of like a Star Wars thing is the prequel. Is um, really re- re- well. I, <laughs> so I went and saw. Um, oh my goodness! I've gone blank on the names. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace in theaters, and I really liked it as a kid. And I don't remember when I first saw the Star Wars movies because Phantom Menace is the only one that I saw in theaters because I didn't see Attack of the Clones or the third one. Um, mostly because yeah. you told me that they were not great. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, fine, I'll wait. Um, just a mad dude. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so then uh, I watched, I remember watching them, or I don't really remember watching them. I don't remember the first time I saw them. So I, uh, really The Force Awakens and um, The Last Jedi are the ones that are stuck into my mind. And I still struggle to differentiate the moments just because I haven't seen them enough. Mm-hmm. I've seen them like four or five times each, but it's just flooded at this point in time. When you probably watch them all in a chunk of time. Yes. You don't just pick out one and write it out. But it's cool though because then you still, you like grew up with it and you were aware of it but now the new generation gets to apply to you and it's sort of a new spark. Yeah, and I still love it and I still, you know, am ingrained in it. It's just for the movie's sake it's hard for me to pinpoint and differentiate the the moments and the memories. Yeah. I had it, my my mom's best friend's husband was a massive Star Wars fan and so I must have been, I must have been maybe four because I... Don't quite remember getting into it in the same way, but we had VHS's recorded copies of it on TV that I would watch over and over and over. And then when I was, I think, four or five, I was gifted the the original VHS set, and I would watch those. And I re- repeat scenes, and my mom would have to get the tape fixed because it would just break. Um, and that was sort of my obsession. And then when the special editions came out, I got to see them in theaters. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what was going on, like why there was new stuff. I didn't. I thought I had wrong editions on yeah. VHS. <laughs> um, that was my experience, and that sort of sparked my obsession with filmmaking because I wanted more, and I couldn't have it. So I would use toys and books to kind of bridge that and like make new things. Where like oh, I want to know about this person. I'll I can imagine that because in my mind, Star Wars was an expansion to like you can do whatever you want with it, and you can kind of play in that world and make your own stuff. And so that was kind of the beginnings of mm-hmm. where I pursued my career in movies. Well, What about you, Jeff? I don't have a lot of solid memories of it. I do specifically remember seeing Star Wars for the first time on the uh, the, the 1995 VHS box set with the each each box had the face on it. Yeah. I remember that one specifically. And I just remember being in the living room and watching it really late at night. And I think, I think the memory I have is Empire – but I could I could be wrong. But I that, yeah I remember watching it on those VHS tapes. So I would have been, I mean, less than ten, probably five or six, seven when I first saw it. So and then I I've been hooked ever since. Now that you mention it, I still I actually still have those VHS tapes. They're sitting on my on the top of my bookshelf right now. I think I've got the old ones too, but not not here. I think they're in a box mm-hmm. packed away somewhere. I did have the special edition. The the box set uh, VHS, but like they're the gold one. That, like, the gold one, yeah, part like that, yeah. Which was it was cool, but like I think we ended up selling it in a garage sale. And you yeah. know, when they came out on DVD, you know, it didn't matter because when they came out on DVD, it's yeah, obviously the DVD was doctored up better, but it's not. It'll never be as good as the original. Yeah. So well, now that Disney's buying Fox, maybe we'll actually get to see. Remasters of the originals, untouched. 
Yeah. That, that would be a silver lining of that deal. Yeah. I'm keeping my fingers crossed because <laughs> I am a stickler for originals. I think yeah. that if they released untouched, just digitally remastered of the original ones, they'd make a killing. Well, with, with yeah. 4K kind of the new media format, it would be a great selling point. Yeah. Like, here. Yeah. Here's these. Yep. What is important, because I understand why there are fans who are obsessive about restoring the past, because that's what they grew up with. And I grew up with that, but the special edition changes didn't really affect me until I got older and kind of understood things. Yeah. So that sort of, like, do-or-die mentality of mm-hmm. why they were so important didn't quite stick until I was older. Mm-hmm. So I feel like no matter what version you get, like, a kid getting Star Wars for the first time is going to be effective. True. Yeah. What is it about Star Wars you think that just really... For me, anyway, when I go see the new ones or watch the old ones, just immediately, I even doing this because I take notes and I have stuff ready to go, but I get taken out of where I am because I'm so sucked into the movie. And I made a note that I think it's really, I think it's the crawl, and I think it's that immediate hit of, and it gets your attention and it just really puts you in this place of something good's about to happen. It, and for me, no other movie franchise really sets that kind of a tone right off the bat. Even the Marvel movies. they, <laughs> As much as I enjoy watching them and get sucked into it, but like Star Wars, as soon as it comes on, it grabs me. And I think it's, I think it's the crawl. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, the crawl is very effective, especially with the John Williams score. Mm-hmm. I think does a lot mm-hmm. to pull you into the movie. And it always, they usually start with a kind of... Uh, it's a very cold open. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, though. So, I don't know. It's like a calling card in that just immediately transports you. If you grew up with it, it immediately transports you back. And so that music swell and the crawl, it just gives you that two minutes to kind of become your child self again. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why they keep it and why it's so effective yeah. and why it doesn't work like for example like Rogue One didn't have that so mm-hmm. it feels like a different movie for that reason mm-hmm. yeah. which is interesting I wonder if that has any effect on how people received it yeah. what I have to say is is that I think what what Star Wars especially the opening has to symbolize anyway is just an escape and just an escape from you know I think that's the true power of movies is just to get you out of your Get you out of your zone for just two hours, you know, two hours or whatnot. And the fact that the fact that this just blows right blows right at you, you know, just you just see Star Wars, you see you hear just a big ass, uh, just swelling score, and you really don't know what the hell you're in for. Pardon the language, but it's too late now. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's kind of the book thing. We grow up reading simple children's fairy tales that always start with "Once Upon a Time." That's true. So we're giving that in movie form, and so that I think immediately sets your expectation, your mind to nothing will be too weird. Like mm-hmm. you are prepared to believe and enjoy what you get into, and I think that text kind of sets the precedent for what you're about to experience. It's almost like a pulp novel. Yeah, and not, no other movie can do that. Like movies are forbidden from doing that now because that is just a Star Wars copy now. Yeah, even though it's borrowing from like Flash Gordon and a lot of serials, mm-hmm. like that is now owned by Star Wars and the Spectrum, and no one can copy that. So it is its own thing, and it mm-hmm. is the calling card. And not many things can claim such nope. a thing. Yeah. Well, I guess let's bring it back to to Empire specifically. Now that we've kind of talked about early Star Wars memories and. Uh, what what really sucks you into the movies? What's everybody's favorite part of Empire? That's a fun one. Let's go there. We'll start with Andrew again. We'll just keep going around like this. I okay. My favorite part. Ooh, that's a toughie. My favorite part. Obviously, there's. I, I'd have to choose two of them. Uh, the first one is the the Battle of Hoth. I thought the Battle of Hoth was really cool, and I I really got into it. I love the I love the music to it. John John Williams, by the way, is just awesome. Um, but no, it, it's really exciting. It's a really just a great, just a great opener to the film. But really, um, but really, my second part and probably the most, like the biggest part of the movie for me anyway, was when Han Solo got frozen. Yeah, like, that like that's a huge shocker. That's a huge shocker, and it still you know it still has it still has power. You know, uh, the fact that that line, that one line that he utters is. Uh, improvised, and then you know he's frozen for God knows how long. Right. You don't know how long he's going to be under 
Or You're not going to wait years for that now? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, now, you, you know, you think about it, and it's just like, man, it's still, like, it's still there. Like, I remember the first time I saw it, it still kind of gives me chills. So. I wanted to say, too, on the on the Battle of Hoth note, uh, when I was a kid, I played Star Wars Rogue Squadron a lot. And I always loved the I love the the Hoth mission where you get to to tie up the yeah yeah uh, oh yeah ATATs yeah yeah I love that part also, uh, also it's a cool it's a cool space I say space battle it's on a planet but it's yeah. really cool well like it it makes me sorry I'm gonna jump back onto this for a second uh, there used to be an arcade game like Star Wars trilogy arcade game mm-hmm. and the like one of the one half of the mission of the of like the Empire Strikes Back is you're on Hoth, and yeah, you're taking out like you know the chicken walkers, the adats, the you know the people in speeders and whatnot. So yeah, that's and also you know there's snow everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we have the freshest memory, yeah. Garrett and I, because we just watched it prior to recording this for the however many time. Yeah. So what was what was your favorite? <clears throat> so I really like the interaction between uh, Luke Yoda and R two D two on. Whenever he first goes to be trained, um, yeah, <laughs> mostly just because you don't expect Yoda to be the guy at first. Like when I, I made a note that every time now, especially having known and seeing all this stuff, you know, when I see Yoda anymore, it, the the training stuff and him in general makes me think of that bad lip reading uh, seagulls video. That could be a backpack. Yeah. yeah, and it's so funny now. But I mean, even then, the interaction with especially. Um, Yoda and R2, whenever he's just banging on R2, it, it, it really makes me laugh. And then the the whole quotes that when once you find out who Yoda is and he's trying to train Luke, you know, always be with you, it can be done, do or do not, there is no try, things like that. You know, those are really impactful and you can use, they're practical as well. And so I really like that whole kind of interaction that, that those three have and then the Ghost Kenobi there too. That's funny because I remember when I was a kid, I found that part the most boring. Really? Because I'm a kid and I want, right, right, and it's right. like the it's the the slow no action part <laughs> where it's just this little Muppet being weird. So, but now I I like it a lot more and respect it a lot more. But I do remember as a kid being bored in the Yoda parts. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Daniel, I was like as a kid, I always liked the everything with Han and Leia on the Falcon, everything with the cave. And then McCloud City with Lando. Um, and then it's tough because I still love that. I now love Yoda because it's about something. Yeah. And um, I still think that the fight with Vader and Luke is my favorite in mm-hmm. anything in the in the franchise. Um, just because of the, once you know it, especially with the emotional weight attached to this fight. And it's sort of been, has, rewatching it now kind of has a fresh coat of paint because we know what like Vader's capable of because of Rogue One mm-hmm. so we now know that he's just toying with him and it kind of makes it scarier where there's no chance that he ever had a winning and it's sort of this like different kind of emotional context but I, I, I still think everything with Han and Leia just because you know they're so good together they really mm-hmm. are yeah I, w- I the the Vader Luke battle is my favorite part too because of, I mean, it's it's a, it's a lightsaber battle. Mm-hmm. It's got the emotional weight of of the of Vader's big reveal that he's Luke's father, and the stakes are high. Luke loses his hand. Right, right, right. He he gets a hand back a little later, but at the time, you don't know what's coming the first mm-hmm. time. So it's just it's a real heavy battle scene, and I like that a lot. I like how high the stakes are at that moment. Well, that's the whole movie. I mean, even in the beginning, it starts off with just action. I mean, like the first fifteen. 15- 30 minutes is just really action-packed. And it's, uh-huh. again, is another thing that just sucks sucks you in and, and gets you hyped for what's more to come. If they're doing this at the beginning, yeah. what's the rest of this movie going to be like? Yeah. When it's all losing action, they just can't catch a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They fight a battle that they lose, and they sort of escape with not a lot of people. Yeah. And then Han and Leia are being chased, and they can't seem to escape. Like, no one can catch a break in the movie. But, I love that. Yeah. Like, there's... And there's such a... There's a build-up to everything, you know. I will say that, like, there's there is a build-up to the final battle. There's a build-up even to like Han and Leia, you know, getting together. I mean, as as the movie progresses, you it's more it becomes more character based. I will say that if there's any if, if any of the movies are character study, it's this one. 
Yeah, because the, the plot is a lot of the Star Wars movies are, especially the prequels, are very plot based. Yeah. And Empire um, kind of gets to be it's there's stuff happening in the story, mm-hmm. but that's not as important as how the characters are changing. Right. And I think that kind of becomes something that Star Wars has continued. And, uh, yeah. That isn't, or maybe it's not did not continue that for the not for the better. Um, right. But I think Empire stands out. Yeah. I, Go ahead. Oh, I was, I was going to ask on that note. I wanted to ask Daniel what he how how, how do you think um, this how do you think Empire stands as a bridge between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi as well as an individual film on its own. I think in the in the realm of sequels, like it's sort of the epiphany of the like every movie now gets compared to as someone will say, "Oh, it's the Empire Strikes Back of X." And I think that's a very bad comparison because the Empire Strikes Back does specific things that are for Star Wars. So I think people hear the Empire Strikes Back, they're like, oh, it's dark, it's this. But I don't think they fundamentally are getting at what makes Empire so effective as a sequel and as a standalone. Because you can watch this movie having seen nothing. You won't get the same emotional weight at the beginning. Yeah. Everyone has a full arc and interesting, and interesting story bits where you reintroduce slightly to understand who these people are, why they're important to each other, and that they have some history that they don't have to explicitly say, but you understand that the history's there, and I think then it works at its core as a three-act structured film um, that is just made heavier when you know the context of before as a sequel. Yeah, I agree. I think you can easily jump into that movie having not seen A New Hope and, and get what you need to get out of it yeah. and also uh, be pulled in enough to want to continue. Because everyone gets a moment to kind of bridge where they are, and where they are is not as important as where they came from. It's just where they are where they're going. And if you need to know something in the past, they'll bring it up. But mm-hmm. everyone has, you know, this, this blooming relationship between Han and Leia that seems strained and you're not quite sure what the deal is with that. And there's Luke searching for a bigger purpose and the droids trying to figure out their stuff. And people like Lando who are these wild cards that, I don't know, they add in Vader. Yeah. His physical presence is enough to sell his character but gets to kind of evolve. And I can't imagine watching it alone, but I feel like it works alone. But maybe I'm just saying that. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know that any of us could answer that because yeah, no. haven't seen just that one. But I do. Yeah, I do think it could work. Well, I don't think that after. I mean, again, you and I just watched it. So having watched it again, I don't think there's any way. Even if you didn't like it, I feel like you would want to know what happens because it ends on such a cliffhanger. Like, sure. There's no resolve really because they're just waiting at this moment. I mean, Han is in carbonite. Uh, you just found out that Vader's Luke's father. And you, you have no idea what's about to happen. And so even if you didn't, if you walked away like, I feel like in the back of your mind would be like, I mean, I at least want to know what happens. Yeah. Well, it's smart because the cliffhanger doesn't feel cheap as if come back next time. Every story that's brought up in the context of the movie is resolved. And then we just have more questions mm-hmm. that we want answers to. But not getting them at the end does not feel unsatisfying. Yeah. And I think that's important because I think you could easily chop 20 minutes off the movie and make it a true cliffhanger of like what's gonna happen next come back next time this is more of like you see their desperation of like alright they are down on their luck but there is a spark that maybe they can do something and I wanna see what they do yeah I wish we I wish we had someone that we could talk to that that saw Empire and then had to wait for <laughs> yeah. Jedi cause I would like to know how their Empire. reaction mm-hmm. was yeah I can't imagine no three year wait just no like, because the best, I mean, the best we've got for that is, is the Force Awakens. Yeah. I think, and those, how that set up, similar questions, that now we see where those led. But yeah, that's the closest that I think we have because the, the prequel with, trilogy didn't do a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, without the internet as kind of a community to discuss things, like I know that people, when it was revealed that Darth Vader is Luke's father, people argued for years that it was fake that he's tricking him. I think that is really interesting that we all live in a universe where we know that it's true. Right. And we don't have to wait to know, but that waiting and that conversation about trying to figure out any type of thing that says it's not true because you don't want it to be true. Yeah. Like if you're a Luke fan, you don't want that to be true because it's awful. Well, that's that's so funny because, again, without getting into the, the nitty-gritty of it, that's a lot of the reaction to The to the Last Jedi out right now is a lot of yeah. people don't want certain things to be true. So yeah. it's funny to see that play out again. Uh, I think that's a close. I think that we can answer our own question if you think about it. Because that's true. Force Awakens and Last Jedi, we have to wait until it's not going to be a three-year wait, but it'll be a couple of years until we get some of the answers and and are able to come back. I walked out of the Last Jedi saying this is as close as I feel like we can be to the originals because 
despite even with the internet, like people still have so many questions, especially with what they did. So yeah. I think that would be as the the closest feeling that we can get to for people that actually had to wait. Yeah, in my head, I kept specifically wanting to compare it to. Uh, uh, compare Han and Carbonite to, to what happens to Finn at the end of The Force Awakens where you don't know what happened to him or when he's going to wake up again. Yeah. And that was, I, I kept making that connection in my head as we watched Empire earlier. Yeah. And they both sort of take that thing from Empire, which is, it sort of lands on a conclusion that is satisfying, but with questions, but yeah. not questions that make you angry. No. Uh, yeah. I think one of my favorites of Empire, the looking going through my notes and, and seeing some of the stuff that I wrote, uh, is is really how much of a badass Leia has been throughout mm. the entire mm-hmm. series. Because even at the beginning of this movie, knowing what we know now and where we are with the current movies, the, 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 the start of General Leia, to me, was at in this movie. Because oh, she's yeah. there giving orders on Hoth, telling people what to do. And she's the only woman in this, in this series, in the original trilogies, who is able to take command... And doesn't take shit throughout the whole franchise. <laughs> There's so much I love about Leia, but I think the number one thing is how her character takes the idea of a princess and turns it on its head. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much. And yeah. Carrie Fisher couldn't have been better. Yeah. She kind of just uses her resources as means to further her her needs as a general. Where her connections and stuff are used to further the rebellion versus any type of self uh, any type of self-improvement things. Mm. Is there a single, is there a, we talked about our favorite kind of scene, but is there like one moment that stands out for you as a kid? As a kid, I was scared of Darth Vader cutting his hands off. Like that bugged me. I had nightmares about it. But I also was obsessed with, or the other scene that scared me was Han getting tortured. Mm. That scary electric chair thing. Yeah, That was mortifying to me. Um, but I always thought the coolest thing in the world was Han shooting at Darth Vader. A, because it's the first time we've seen someone just straight up stop bullets with their hand, mm-hmm. or stop lasers with their hand. But also that idea of there isn't a moment of hesitation, just that appears, and in your mind you're trying to think of how will he get out of this, and Han Solo does like, that immediate, like, oh, I will try and blast my way out of this. When uh, Luke is hanging upside down in the, uh, whatever, that snow monster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the snow monster, and he's reaching out for the, he's reaching out for the lightsaber, and he can't get it, and then he finally, like, uses the forest to get it i'm like that that for that for me was like pure magic i'm like we had seen that there's no force grab in yeah New Hope. like that was yeah there was nothing there i mean he was he was starting to get an idea of the force and then all of a sudden you know that's when you finally get like oh yeah he's actually starting to use it yeah. so whenever you first whenever i first saw that i'm like oh my god you know it's, it's scary because the wampa comes out and yeah and that Wampa, by the way, like, in the original version, uh, not the special editions, I thought the original version was much more scarier because you didn't see him as much. You just saw his arm. You just saw his arm, and you saw maybe bits and pieces of him. And I, like, I remember having the video, and I used to freeze frame it on that because I wanted to know what it looked like. Now, obviously, the special editions, you know, showed more of him, but it was, uh, it was really... It was really like I think the idea of like when Steven Spielberg says less is more. Yeah. Because that's what he did for Jaws. And I think that works for the Wampa. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for things that you can't see because I had the same thought going back to the Han being tortured scene where you don't see you hear a blood curdling scream, but you don't see it. Yeah, you don't know. You're back out outside the door at that point, and that makes it a little scarier. That you don't know what is really being done to make Han solo scream like that. Yeah. And that it yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. And it's it's terrifying. Yeah. Um so. one of the uh, sim- uh, around about that same scene, I always think about when I think about watching this movie as a kid, the uh cutting open the tauntaun. That's what I always think about. Yeah. I don't it's not that it's necessarily cool, I guess. It's just real gross and just, I always think about it. It's just looking like giant pieces of rice yeah <laughs> gross <laughs> was i was liked as a kid that in my mind han solo and luke skywalker were best friends and you know they keep telling him you'll freeze out there and he's like i'll do it anyway and then he <laughs> saves his friend and he gets to use the lightsaber which to me was really cool because in my mind only the jedi got to use it and yeah like, oh, no anyone can use it and then he shoves him inside an animal 
which that didn't connect to me until I was old. <laughs> I didn't understand that he was. I thought he cut him open and there was kind of the steam and he's going to be warm and close. I didn't realize till later that he's putting him inside of it. And yeah. It really <laughs> yeah. adds on. I think there was a toy that. Of you could put Luke inside the Tauntaun. That's, oh, that's when funny. I realized. Oh, and just for the record, there is a MythBusters episode about that, which I made reference to, and it is plausible to survive inside of a Tauntaun while on Hoth. Just now, I don't scientifically proven. I don't think I remember that episode of MythBusters, but how did they recreate a Tauntaun? Did you look into that at all? Yeah, Adam it? sculpted a Tauntaun from a large block of foam and added an outer layer of synthetic skin and fur. Jamie created artificial organs to fill the body, and they did it in a realistic manner. And uh, they threw a Thermo Boy dummy inside of it, and it was in like this freezer. So was and there? They checked I, the I, internal temperature of the Thermo dummy okay. while inside the Tauntaun. So if you haven't seen that, it's so the idea was to see if you would actually stay warm enough to survive yes. the cold. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Where's Han Solo go in that scene? That's what I was wondering. I made that note too. Is did he? Where did he hail? Was he also in there? Make a little tent because it looked like he may have had an igloo. There was some kind of like thing dug whenever the ship showed up there at the end of that scene. But uh, I was that was a note that I had made is where did he stay throughout that whole? He could yeah he could have done a tent because he's not sick and injured and dying in the same way Luke was. True. Yeah, he could have been hiding the same tauntaun. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, did they try to see if they could both get in? Snuggle buddy. Is this a situation like Titanic and the and the and the door? They I mean, could both get yeah. in the tauntaun. I mean, those, those tauntauns are were pretty big looking when you take a look at them, but you never know. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I want to reference back to something that you did because this that we talked a little bit about the pop culture of Star Wars and how it's really referenced and things like that, and the the hanging upside down in the force grab for the lightsaber. How many of us have? Content, like tried that just been like I do that on a daily right basis here. even yeah. whenever you're walking through the doors at a supermarket and you just do that yeah. and you just feel like you're opening it. It, it it's one of the most recreated things even if it's just like a small thing to just be like I think I could do it and then it obviously never does but that one time that you get a little shaky freak out I'd, I'd say between between the force in Star Wars and the, and the summoning spells in Harry Potter I've spent most of my life wishing I could summon things to me <laughs> That's just, I think about it all the time. I wish I could summon the remote. Just ways to be lazier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like whenever I'm, if ever I'm working on like my car or anything, I just need a tool. I just try to hold out my hand and. Never works. It's just like, it's just like Thor waiting for the hammer to come. (laughs) And that's what I'm waiting for. And of course it never happens. I I have to walk over there physically. (sighs) Maybe one day. I know. First world problems. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also want to. I made a note, and this is a question geared towards you because you're more of the filmmaker and analyzer of the group. Absolutely. So <laughs> one of the, the things that I noticed in this movie in particular, and I, I I noticed about halfway through, I wish I had kept a tally, is they do at least in my opinion, so, so many just god awful what I, what we're taught in like film editing stuff, god awful box transitions and wipes but oh, for yeah. some oh, reason yeah. it works just in this movie any other movie it would not work but why does it work with star wars i think now it's a nostalgia thing um but it also every time they use a transition it is usually to move you through time or through space so it's almost a cue of we're moving ahead or we're moving to another planet sure as kind of a visual reminder because those transitions don't no one uses them they don't work no. right they're used in the new Star Wars movies yeah but yeah. sparingly and carefully and in the same kind of manner that they're sort of a visual cue that we're moving on without having to have a text title of you know three days later or this planet um, and I think it's just sort of ingrained that Star Wars it's okay everyone else know. <laughs> Uh, if I can add a little bit more to that, George Lucas was a major fan of Akira Kurosawa, mm-hmm. and in every Kira, in every Akira Kurosawa film, he always uses those those types of wipes. So he uses like a side wipe or uses a time wipe. So really, what he's doing here is since uh, since Star Wars is a space opera, he's using that as just an, as just a reference tool. To one of his favorite filmmakers, because Akira Kurosawa, like if you ever watch any of his movies, he uses those types of wipes all the time in his movies. I think where he gets that it where he gets that is is that he's using that purely as a reference tool from his favorite filmmaker. So 
Um, for this, for this, you know, I'm going to, I agree with everything that you just said. So, but it's a, it's a weird tool that doesn't work today. Like we're beyond that, but then it yeah. feels at home and mm-hmm. Star Wars, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, when we were just coming out of the sixties where every single scene was a fade. Yeah. And now we're going from fade to fade wipe. Yeah. Know, fade time to just nothing at all. Another yeah. unpopular opinion that I might throw out there. Oh, Mark Hamill, not a great actor. In this, he's much better in this. Oh. Much better in this than in A New Hope. But his yeah. his acting is rough. At least in my opinion, he gets the job done. But it, uh, comparing him to these originals to now, he's I, just I, so much better. Now. I have oof. I have a hard time agreeing. That's fine. I think it's. I think there's also there's a, a different style of acting then for in film, where it's a little more. What's the word I'm looking for? I know you know. Camping, hokey. Uh, maybe overly dramatic because you look at you look at uh, Harrison Ford uh, and Carrie Fisher, and I don't feel like they fall into the same lump that I put Mark Hamill in. Now, I'm not hating on Mark Hamill. I love him to death, but in this in this movie, he comes across like just. Not quite polished yet, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But like, like, what are you referencing to? Now, now I'm curious. I want, I want to help you find like the the right words. Yeah, we'll be here all day. We'll okay. Just move on. <laughs> uh, we'll move on. But that's why I said unpopular opinion because I want to see. What yeah, I'm yeah. I don't think so, but I also am like so blinded by a bias, uh, and I think as a kid, especially like we project ourselves to him. So now I always looked at him as how I would behave, which seemed kind of accurate. Of like sort of this confused and like whining and annoyed type of person. I yeah. think I understand uh, New Hope, but I think the jump to New Hope to him from yes to, from Vast. New Hope to Empire is like such a massive leap in terms of skill. Yes, that it's hard for me to look as it is a negative. That's fair. I think I think uh, maybe an unpopular opinion, but there is definitely that opinions out there. Because again, I see him now and all the voice acting that he's done. He's yeah. really learned how to work his voice. And his facial expressions have really, especially in these, especially in Last Jedi. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So I think that Mark Hamill, I think Mark Hamill. The greatest actor of all time. Oh, hell no. Uh, He might be listening. Well, again, I'm not hating. If you want to come talk to us, I'll happily talk to you. Garrett. Garrett Satan. Yes. (laughs) Three of us love you. <laughs> Mark Hamill, you're awesome. But I will say that, like, uh, you, like, I think what makes Mark Hamill stand out, especially in this series, is that in the very beginning, you know, he's kind of a naive boy. You know, he, he's a very naive kid and doesn't know, what he, doesn't know what the Force is, but he wants to learn. He wants to know. I think it gets better. I think it gets better as the series progresses. And I think, you know, I think the pinnacle of it really would be a return of the Jedi. But as far as the empire strikes back is concerned, I think like, I think it's coming into that transition, especially where it's like, you know, uh, er, you know, the shit's hitting the fan every which way from Sunday. But like, as far as, as as his acting is concerned, as Mark Hamill's acting is concerned, I think it's, I think it's, good i don't think it's great i think uh i think carrie fisher's was better um but all in all i think how he reacted to his father like how like how that came about was like was like the best reaction of all time i mean who else would have reacted if you just found out your father was the most evil man in space. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. I, w- I will say in his defense that he won the Saturn Award for Best Actor. Okay. For this movie. That's right. good. That's good. He, did, he didn't follow Star Wars with a lot of acting roles in regards to movies, though. A lot of voice work. Yeah. Kind of disappeared from the movie spot. Mm-hmm. I know he did some um, play work, but and I don't know if that has anything to do with reception to it, but I do know he kind of fell out of general acting and was... Focus in a lot of voice work. Yeah. And he excelled. Do you think the special effects still hold up today? 
Yeah, so I thought about that while we were watching it, and then I thought about another thing, which was we're watching... I don't think the box is on the table. We watched the the Blu-ray edition that came out in 2013, I think, and I don't know what version that is. Uh, I don't have the slightest idea if it's been retouched or not. Uh, okay, so there is the original version. There is the original version, and the special, edi- special edition came out 20 years later. And then... I think that then there was the DVD version that came out in 2004, and then there was the Blu-ray version that came out in 2013. Might have been 2011. Yeah. There was another touch-up. There was a DVD 2004, then another touch-up 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Every time it was re-released. Yeah, this is the 2013 one, and I, I don't know what the differences are. That should be the same as the 2011 one. Okay. But... Empire still remains pretty. Like they add a few scenes and they paint a few. Like there's extra footage of the Wampa. There's some um, Cloud City. The windows, which are normally just kind of bright white, are added to yeah. have that more. And there's a few shots outside of Cloud City that are added. There's actually a background. But the core of Empire Strikes Back remains the same in the special edition. The parts that stood out to me was always the stuff with with the ships. Like the, the space scenes with the destroyers looked cool. Those still looked good. And um, the Falcon leaving and taking off yeah. from from Cloud City, I thought you can. I mean, you can very clearly tell it's it's special effects of the era, mm-hmm. but they're good. I mean, and I think at the time they were probably very amazing. I mean, and they're spe- still good. Yeah, especially with the uh, with the with the beginning battle. You know, it's all stop motion animation, right? So, um, but no, it like I personally think it still holds up. Like it's still got. I think that's why like stop motion animation. The early stuff still has its power because, you know, it's it was new for the time. It was new for the story. But all in all, I mean, it, it, like, if you were to try to do that same thing now, it would just look totally bad. I, yeah. I think they hold up. For them. I did take a note where it was like, because they've been touched so many times, I don't know what's original anymore and what's not. But there was one, I think it was, I, I'm not confident because I didn't make a specific note. But I think it was where the Tauntaun fell over, and it was just so digitally hit, and I couldn't tell if it was from back then or if it was just badly it's, remastered. It's like a stop motion fall that just kind of looks a little yeah. slow. Yeah, yeah, and it just yeah. looked. That was the only part where I was like, "Ugh," but everything else looked fine. Yeah, and that was the only one where I was like, "I don't know." Yeah, which is why I want to. I would like to see Disney release the original ones on like just digitally remastered and up to date, but like. Just send it out the way that it was, just to see. What That's got to be coming. Does anyone have a VCR? I like because I still have the other. <laughs> I still have the old versions. It's all good. I can't believe you don't still have a VCR. Yeah, I do. It just doesn't work. No, no, I definitely don't have a VCR. <laughs> I don't even know if it'd plug into the TV. Yeah, I think that'd be one very difficult thing to do. Yeah, but might be worth it. What is it that you guys specifically are talking about all these sequels? Like, is there? A formula to a sequel that really makes something stand out that makes it good or bad when they're what people are trying to succeed with when they make a sequel like star wars is something that has a large story attached to it may have not originally been something they thought he would get to continue but he had the idea in his mind that it could continue yeah um and what does the sequel have to do for you to i think it needs to be more than just this one made so much money so let's try it again so yeah but so uh, one of the later episodes what we were covering is Ace Ventura. We were looking at the Ace Ventura series. And the second one, in my opinion, is so far better than the first one. Uh-huh. And I think that's just because they had a better so idea. Nature Calls, the yes, second one? Yes, when okay. Nature Calls. And I think they had a better idea of what they were going to do. Uh, Jim was probably more comfortable with the character, and, and they just kind of let it go. Now, I'm not saying that's a great movie, but it, I, that is a rare case where the sequel is better than the original. Interesting. At least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think movies like these, where you have an overarching. Why do you story, think that is, though? I I don't know. Just for a quick minute. Why do I think it's a better movie? Yeah. Um, I think it's funnier, and it's just the one that I saw more often. Yeah. I think that might. Have I was gonna to say because while while we're thinking about what what makes a sequel good versus what makes a sequel bad, I think how many times you may have seen it or you're familiar with it at a younger age can affect that a lot. Sure. Because there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of bad movies Ooh, that, that I know t- we all love. See, that's a tough question. So I think that can play a part. I think, for me, I think a good sequel has to also be its own contained story. 
while also expanding the mm-hmm. the original story that it's building on mm-hmm. to be good. That's a that's a tough question because like you know like you know how many sequels how how many sequels do you know surpass the original? I so mean, many sequels. But like <laughs> but I'm, but like uh, exactly. But like uh I mean I'm not going to count like a franchise movie like right now Harry Potter because Harry Potter is Harry Potter is in a series that's I'm not going to say it's not original, but it's all from books. Well, they're based on books, right? In terms books. of a, in terms of an original film yeah. series, every yeah. yeah, every single movie is based on based on a book. All right. But like I'm talking like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I almost see two different movies, like two different like almost genres yeah. here because The Dark Knight is completely different from Batman Begins. The same goes for Ace Ventura. Because Ace Ventura... <laughs> this is the only time on record that anyone will ever compare the Dark Knight franchise to Ace Ventura. Okay. All cool. right. This is the boldest statement I will ever make in my life. This will never there, happen again, and it's never happened before. The reason why I can't I, wait to pull that one clip and re- share it out of context. The, the reason why I say that is because, like, like Ace Ventura was a build-up. Like, the Ace Ventura Pet Detective was a build-up. And then we have Ace Ventura when nature calls, when you don't know what's going to happen. So it's kind of unpredictable. So. Yeah. I'm so happy. Just like the Dark Knight. <laughs> Just like the Dark Knight. And, that, that is a good and example. The Empire Strikes Back. That is a good example, <laughs> though, of I. Uh, they're, they're good. I think what Josh said is absolutely that it's, it should expand, but also be able to stand alone. And it should, I think, bigger and better is, is, is risky. Because I think a small. Small and intimate is just as good as bigger and better if it services the characters, especially. Yeah. I think servicing the story is important, but I feel like especially with these franchise things, the characters are what you're there for. And if yeah. you don't grow with them, then it's not effective. You just yeah. get kind of burnt out. And I think in the realm of sequels, Star Wars is interesting because a lot of people associate Star Wars less in terms of each movie and more as there are there's the original trilogy, there's the prequel trilogy, and there's the new movies. And so they kind of get clumped together. Like, you, everyone has their rankings. Set, yeah. But for the most part, there's the original trilogy, and that's people's favorites, and then people will crap on the prequels, and then people mm-hmm. have their f- new feelings of the new ones. And so they sort of stand as as three movies in one, almost. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's strange to think that technically A New Hope is a sequel, but it's the first. Right, yeah. So Star Wars is a strange beast mm-hmm. where Rogue One is a sequel, but it takes place before the first movie that was ever released is. And so it's kind of breaking down the idea that in its terms, a sequel just means that another movie was made. Yeah. Have you ever watched them? So I have a friend of mine said that for The Last Jedi, he watched the prequels, Rogue One, the originals, and The Force Awakens. In all it's like sequential order. Yeah. Which, have you watched? I did that order? before this. I had never done that. I had done prequels uh, before Force Awakens came out. I went through um, everything <laughs> in order. I think if I was showing someone something new, I would I would start at the original. I would sure. Do. So while we're here, I think you're only here for this episode. So while we have you, what's your ranking for these original three? Oh, uh, Empire, New Hope, Jedi. Easy. That was very quick. I like since I won't be back. I like Jedi, but I think Jedi is, is the weakest. I think it's a lot of fun, but it's got a thirty-minute opening that doesn't really have a lot of context for the rest of the movie. But it's so much fun. Yeah, and it's a nice wrap up. It's a weird wrap up because it's a very happy wrap up that you feel great. Yeah, and now you can immediately continue that and realize that, that happy wrap up is actually going to be a very sad wrap up <laughs> as everyone becomes very sad and old and mm-hmm. the world the galaxy is awful yeah well it's also like it's it's almost like return of the jedi almost gets kind of predictable yeah like, and there's like harrison ford's like done at that point he's like I'm... yeah harrison ford's done and i think everybody else is kind of just like we're ready we're ready for this but it's got a, it's got enough moment to moment things that i mm-hmm. think still make it exciting mm-hmm. but the speeder bike chase is still. Ah, yeah, you have to stop. You you can talk. <laughs> the three of us will be back to talk about Jedi later. That's true. So That's you true. can't get too involved. In it. Sorry, my bad. So, so, so overall, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, pretty good. 
<laughs> pretty yeah. good. Pretty pretty good. I'll give it a six. You always, you give everything a six. <laughs> That's your go-to, and I don't get it. It's a six out of five, though, for this one, right? Uh, yeah, if you want to say that. All right, yeah. we'll take that. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for us today. Is yeah. there anything, any final thoughts on Empire before we depart? Uh, a lot better than Ace Ventura. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I don't know. Watch it and keep watching it, and also like put it in theaters again. I'd like to watch it on the big screen. I would yeah. love to do that because I I, I, I never got to do on. that. I think yeah. that would be. I would love to see it on the big screen again. Please I mean, don't do it in 3D though. Yeah, I don't want that. Oh yeah, I, I, I yeah. That. And for God's sake, it needs to be the original. You know, redo the sound, bring back the original. You know, because the original's where it's at. Just that's make all. a theater that shows it. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's all they show. Go. I'd go there. If there could be like a theater that's like geographically in the center of the United States showing nothing but Star Wars. Which would be Oklahoma, the, really, if you think about it. It's yeah. true. In their sequential order, I would go every single day. I don't care. Maybe once that George Lucas Museum opens in LA, this can happen. Oh, that yeah. would be sweet. Wait, it'll, be a, it'll be a part of history. There's a George yeah. Lucas Museum? Oh, yeah. It's, it's coming. You'll have to come back to L.A. I don't know when it opens, but it's like a spaceship. <laughs> well, we'll be there. Yeah. Okay. And he's donated his entire collection to it. So Wow. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I want to take a second to to, to plug Daniel's podcast, Talking Tom. Oh, yeah. Tell podcast. us about that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 all about Tom Hanks. It's called Talking Tom, Pod Hanks, Tomcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, we, we're going through all of Tom Hanks' movies in chronological order, taking breaks, for special things like Christmas and any time a movie's released theatrically. But we've done Big and Splash and Bachelor Party and the Polar Express. And we're coming back after the new year with The Post. And then... Oh, so excited. The other movie, the, the next movie chronologically after Bachelor Party that I've forgotten what it is. But yeah, what? <laughs> how are you deciding the order to go in? We just go... The first movie he was lead in. Uh-huh. And then from there we... Order of release. Sweet. Are you going to have a reference back to what was it? Bosom Buddies? Was that his TV the show? The show, yeah. Yeah. That we're going to do little side episodes to talk about TV and like music videos and late night SNL. I was going to say, there needs to be an SNL yeah. episode. Yeah. There's just, two, it's just a, it is a cornucopia stuff to pull from. Sweet. I want to say this next movie that you're, that you're referencing to it might be big. Do what? What you say? They did. They did. Big. Oh, oh, we started with big because we were afraid one. people okay. wouldn't listen if we started with okay. not big. Splash. <laughs> so we started with big, and then we came back to splash. But we'd like to, I think, as the podcast continues, revisit maybe revisit it if oh, we kind of okay. fix stuff. All right. All right. Um, yeah, we talk that, and we it's a great time. And if you have any Tom Hanks stories, uh, tell us about. Them. Yeah, what's the social media? Yeah, where can we find us? Um, we're on all the social medias, podhankstomcast.com, Twitter, podhankstomcast. It's a hard word to say. Uh, Instagram, SoundCloud, on all your favorite podcasting apps. <laughs> all right. Cool. cool. Well, thanks for thanks for doing this with us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, I don't we'll know. We'll be back with yeah. Return of the Jedi. Exactly. And if you haven't listened to our uh, pilot episode for A New Hope, go listen to that, and yep. then you can follow along. I uh, will be here with all of the sequels to come. All right. And, it's very exciting. And Tom Hanks, if you're out there listening, we'd love to have you before <laughs> the show. Yes. Tom Hanks and Mark Hamill. Does he have sequels? Tom Hanks? Oh, Toy Story. Story. Toy yeah. Story, yeah. So you'll be talking, Tom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>